0: We're talking about cheap grace, and you may be thinking, what is cheap grace? Well, Paul was getting at that when he was writing to the church in Corinth. He was letting them know that it is possible to profane the grace that God has given to us, that you can use it in vain or you can actually just set it aside and think that you're sufficient. Instead, he was encouraging the Corinthians to open their hearts and to truly take the grace of God inside of them because God's grace is not merely to wash us clean as we see in the waters of baptism, but it is meant to transform us. And we cheapen God's grace when we don't allow it to do that. When we refuse to let God actually change who we are and change our hearts. Jesus is quoted as saying in both the Gospel of Mark and Matthew that evil intentions come from the human heart, that all of those things are here. And so God's grace is meant to open our hearts wide and allow us to be transformed, allowing God to take out those sinful inclinations and instead to put in grace, truth, hope, and love that we will be transformed and what we say and think and do will reflect God Almighty. Long before any of us here were ever born, God knew us and loved us. And God has been working since before the dinosaurs to let us know that all things have been put into place so that not one, not one of us would be forsaken or lost. And by taking God's grace into full account, we are given an opportunity to allow that grace to do its utmost work. Now, the the concept of cheap grace comes from a pastor and theologian, a German Christian by the name of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And Bonhoeffer dared to preach Christ in the midst of the Nazi reign in Germany. And because of that, he was arrested and sent to a concentration camp and killed there because he would not quiet his faith. And in the midst of his service to Jesus Christ, he wrote about the cost of discipleship, That if we are not careful, we are ascribing to cheap grace. And his other words were costly grace. That because of what God was willing to do, that grace by the cross is the most expensive thing in the history of the world. Nothing came at a higher cost. Nothing will ever cost more. You can watch the Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous or anything on MTV. You can watch anything you want where they show you cars that cost half a million dollars, and nothing will begin to come close to the price that was paid on the cross. And God was unwilling to make one of us pay that price for our sinfulness. Instead, God said, I myself will come to you. And God came to us in the vessel of Jesus of Nazareth, and lived as a human being, frail, immortal, and allowed himself to go onto the cross so that none of us would have to bear that pain, humiliation, and suffering for our sins. Well, Let's talk about sins for a minute. I have a slide I want to show you. There's two ways of talking about sin, and the first is capital S -S 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 Sin. It's the state of brokenness and separation from the divine image in which all people were created. We were all created in God's image. And it may take us our entire lifetime and probably well into kingdom to come to know what exactly that means, but every single person is beloved by God, and we were created in that image. And when we don't reflect that image, when we don't embody it in the world, we are in a state of sin. None of us are perfect. None of us manage to do this 24 hours a day, seven days a week for all of our lives. We live in a state of sin. And that's why the cross helps us to overcome that because the state of sin is a chasm and we cannot get to God on the other side because of the brokenness. And so we need something to bridge that and that's what God's grace does. But recognizing the state of sin, I wanna show you small sins. This is what most of us think about in sin. These are the actions which break God's law and go against the will of God. These are doing things that God tells us not to do. This is also breaking God's heart when we do them, when we say things, when we do things that hurt another person, when we forsake God and God's Sabbath, when we break the commandments. All of these things are little less sins and they build up like bricks in a wall. They build up. So not only is there the chasm of sinfulness, but soon a person is able to erect a very big boundary, an obstacle that we cannot break through but by the grace of the cross, God smashes through every obstacle for us. God has paid the ultimate price. Nothing will stand between you and your Lord and the kingdom to come if you so desire that grace. It is given to us, and all we have to do is want it, And some of us will spend most of our lives figuring out whether or not we want it. And here's the good news. It doesn't matter when you decide you want it. It's yours. So whether you're 9 or 98, it can be yours today. This is the day of salvation, Paul says. The day that you determine that that grace is yours, that you want it. God is always ready to give it to you. And it is ours. So we cannot cheapen it. We cannot profane it. Instead, we have a duty to ensure that that grace is held in high esteem. That we reflect on it and we have hearts of gratitude for what has been given to us. Because God could have left us to ourselves. God could have eradicated us. God could have simply, God promised no more floods, but there are other means by which that could have been accomplished. There are many ways in which God could have wiped the slate clean. And the fact that God hasn't is a testimony to how precious every person is. We encountered this this week at Vacation Bible Camp. Vacation Bible Camp is one of those things in the life of every church that does it where you think to yourself, this is going to be great. And then by about Wednesday, you're like, Lord, I think I'm dying. And this year was incredible. I grew up in the megachurch of the Virginia Annual Conference. I have been involved in vacation Bible camps in multiple states, in multiple conferences of Methodism, and I am standing here before you today with God as my witness that I have never seen a more effective vacation Bible camp, and I didn't plan it or run it. Karen Rubendahl managed to Create a framework through which our children and our youth and adult volunteers were able to bring as close to perfection as I have ever seen. I was blown away by what she was able to lead us into together. Our goal was to make space for a hundred children to come here, to open our doors and the house of God up to a hundred children and let them encounter the promise of God's hope in the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Sounds like a good idea. Our our plan was to do this. We had 107. It's a lot of kids. 107 Moving bodies with minds and really strong spirits. And they were in here and they were all over the church and the grounds. And many of you are here today were a part of that, whether you were volunteering or you were a parent of one of those children. It was an incredible week. And 70 adults and youth volunteered this year. 70. That's a huge number. I have churches that don't have that many people in worship on Sunday. And we got that many people to dedicate themselves to vacation Bible camp. That deserves that hallelujah. hallelujah. Yeah, it's that good. But let me tell you the fruitfulness. We do VBC, vacation Bible camp, like churches all over the world. We do this because we are trying to live out what Jesus said. Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. And so we think that we will open up the, do- the walls and bring down the barriers and throw wide the doors so that children will come in. And our hope was to not only engage with them and build some relationship with them, but that we would give them something, that we would plant deep in the depths of their hearts this notion that God has a promise for every person, that the hope, the, the, the proclamation and the covenant that was established with Abraham, that is ours by faith, is theirs too. And some of those children, after five days, they leave and you go, maybe they'll be back next year. Maybe we'll see them on a Sunday. Maybe we will never see them again. And that's okay. Because I believe that sincerely, we have planted seeds that when the day comes and they wonder, does God have a purpose for me? Can I be part of God's plan? Does God know me and love me? Is there some place somewhere where I can be accepted and loved for who I am and who I am becoming? The Holy Spirit will nurture those seeds that were sown over the past week, and they will say with a resounding yes, there is a place. And it might be Crozet United Methodist. It might be a United Methodist church somewhere else out in Methodism. It may be a church somewhere. But some way, somehow, the Holy Spirit will nudge them to a place where they can be embraced in the name of Jesus Christ. And they can claim that grace for themselves. And that's the hope. You know, this is is what we tell ourselves we're going to do. Well, let me tell you what happened this week. So this week, I didn't actually have to shepherd kids this year, so I got to spend my whole time walking around and mingling with people and edifying volunteers and and doing that, and at the closing that we had on Friday night, a family came up to me, and their daughter had been in my group that I shepherded last year, and the family came back, and both children were in VBC this year, and mom said to me, I've been thinking about this for a long time, and I want you to baptize my daughter. Vacation Bible Camp was the bridge. Was the bridge? Our other daughter's baptized, and I want you to baptize her daughter. I want you to initiate her into the life of Christianity, and I want you to give her the Holy Spirit. She wants us to offer the sacrament of baptism. That's not all. There's more. I had five different families come up to me on Friday, either during the day or in that evening, and they say, my child wants to come to church or we want to come to church. We have questions. What do we wear? What do we do? When do we show up? I have never seen a vacation Bible camp yield those kinds of responses. Not all at once. And I'm running around Karen. like, Karen, another family just told me this is the best vacation Bible camp ever. And not just here ever, ever, ever. Which means, people, it's on next year, stepping up that game. So we have to recognize that when we give of ourselves 70 youth and adults who could have been doing anything, anything, there were people who took vacation time from work to come and invest in 107 children that most of whom they didn't know. There were all kinds of people who put in hours and hours of work before we even opened the doors on Monday just to make sure that this had a glimmer of hope that it could work. And we taught the children our worship songs. It's incredible to be in this space, in God's holiest space in the house of God, and listen to 107 children singing deep, way down deep, I've got the love of Jesus in my heart. I hope they do. I hope that they recognize that way down deep, God's love is with them and for them. Because we know that the world will try to strip it from them. The world will tell them they are not good enough. The world will tell them there's a different way to live. There's other ways of being successful. And yet Paul was trying to tell the Corinthians, and Paul is speaking to us here and today, that God's way is the way of righteousness. Not so that we can tell others we're better than them, but that all can be invited in. That's what righteousness is. And did you see that it's ambidextrous for the right hand and the left? Did you catch that? That the weapons of righteousness that battle against hatred, discrimination, and prejudice, that b- battle against exclusivity and casting people aside and shunning them, those weapons are given to us for both hands. And we work. We are called to service. And if you caught what he was saying there, there were so many times that they suffered for the sake of the gospel. They suffered. And it was worth it. It was worth it. Everything that they went through, the beatings and the riots and the imprisonments, all of it was worth it because at the end of the day, the church of Corinth existed. And it was growing. And it wasn't just growing because they built a huge cathedral. It was growing in their hearts. And it continued to spread. Christianity is at the ends of the earth. But it won't continue if we don't act and engage and rain down grace upon it. We're called to take the next step. We cheapen grace when we just say, it's good, I'm clean for today, going to go back tomorrow and do the same thing. But when we choose to engage and say, Lord, make me whole, make me different, make me better than you found me. Make me into someone who can be part of building your kingdom here and now? And everyone who had a part in Vacation Bible Camp, whether you were a volunteer or you willingly let your children into our hands, whatever it is, they played a part. And we funded it entirely by your Sunday giving. We didn't charge one family for one child, all of that was a gift. From your gifts to God to those children. That's what we do as Christians. We give. Because I will add a little to Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, we don't have cheap grace. We have costly grace. I say we have extravagant grace. We have abundant grace. There's not just enough for us in our time of need. There is more than enough. So that when any one of us feels less than, in need, empty, the rest of us can pour out into the other. We can fill their vessel and still have enough for ourselves and more. That's what extravagant grace is. And it came at the highest cost. I didn't understand what that really was until I had a child. And being willing to suffer for a child, I mean, nine months I suffered. It was bad. But then you have this child, and I'm sure it's like this for for mothers and fathers. I'm sure this is what it is. And you suddenly realize that you would give everything for another human being. I wouldn't just give my son my kidney. I would give him my lungs, my heart, things that I have to have to live. I would give them that he might have life. That's what the cross is. God gave everything that we could have life. And we have to figure out how to tell that truth to the world over and over every day. We don't just tell the children for five days and call it quits. We tell the children all the time. We tell the kids who come into the church. We tell the kids who live next door in our neighborhoods. We tell the kids that come over to play if that's what we have. We tell them, and not just children under the age of 18, Every human being is a child of God. In God's eyes, we're all children. We're all children. And so we have to remind everyone that they are loved and that God was willing to pay the highest price for them. Otherwise, we cheapen what this is. This is freedom and love And above all, just like we told the children, that is hope. That is hope. That all of us will be there in the kingdom to come. That every chasm, a bridge by grace will be built. Every wall will be torn down. Every hand that has nothing to hold will find a hand of a disciple to carry them into the promised land. Because that's where we're going, brothers and sisters. We're going into the kingdom to come. And God wants us all there together. And we started planting those seeds this week. And some of us had no idea what we were doing. But I can tell you, the kids are watching. They are pay First of all, they could tell me what I wore, and I don't even remember what I wore. By Wednesday, I, don't even- I was just making sure I had bits and pieces covered. Because you're tired. You can hear it. I'm tired. But... I would move the set around and they could tell you exactly where everything was the day before and where it is now. They were paying careful attention. They're listening to us. They are watching what we do. And when youth, when teenagers that they aspire to be and when adults give of themselves for their benefit, they are watching and they are learning. And so if you ever wonder whether or not what we do matters, It matters. It's changing lives. And that's what grace is here to do. To change us. That we will help change others. That slowly, slowly but surely, the entire world will stand up and sing. The deep, way down deep. It's got the love of Jesus in its heart. And we have to work to get it there. And it is a long and exhausting labor, but there is nothing more holy, more joyful. And if Paul and his associates who went into Corinth and suffered for their sake could write that kind of love letter and encourage them, even when they frustrated him, to open their hearts, then who are we to close ours in this day, in this age, when people need to know that God's grace is still for them and with them and to be at work through them. May it be so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one now and forever. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.